Mr. Mayor, Chief, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome back to the Jaws Obsession, where we are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. Welcome back for another episode. Thank you very much for returning. How many out there did their homework? Did we listen to audiobook versions of chapter 16 and 17 from the Book of Quinn in episode 37? And did you, over the weekend, did you rewatch Jaws and did you notice something different? Using the information that we learned in chapter 16 and 17, did anything in Jaws stand out? We're going to get into that today. And, and you may have guessed it. The question is, the immortal question is, did the mayor and Quint, did Mayor Larry Vaughn and Quint have a history prior to Jaws. Can we use clues in the movie Jaws to prove this? I believe we can. And we are going to do that today on this episode, episode 38 of the Jaws Obsession. Thank you very much for returning. All the tourist postcards of Amity Island have been mailed out. They were mailed out in two waves over the weekend. Uh, the first one went out on uh, Saturday and the last one went out this morning. So they're on their way to the backers of the Indiegogo campaign. So Herschel has sent his postcards, uh, 1968 postcards. And when you get yours, when you get yours out there, show it off to the world. Please tell everybody you know what Amity looks like. Um, show it off on your social media. Talk about it at work. You can even watch Jaws with that postcard. And now that you know what Amity looks like, you can get a visual on the movie as a bird's eye view. Now you can watch Jaws with a bird's eye view of ac what Amity actually looks like. There will be a much more detailed version of that map 
in the Book of Quint, which you will have lighthouse locations and locations uh, from 1974, from the landmarks and locations from the movie Jaws. So there's two different versions of that map that are going to be in the book. But we have John Tedder to thanks for that map. When you get your map, look up John Tedder over at Quint's Shark and Shack at Etsy.com. You can find his links in the, des- in the description below. And tell him how great you think the map is, and uh, and he, I'm sure he'd like to hear from you as well. I appreciate all the positive feedback that we're getting regarding this and our last episode. Thank you very much. I will try to return emails as soon as possible. So that being said, let's get into this episode, The Mayor and the Captain. Was there a prior history to Larry Vaughn and Quint? Now, if anyone listened to episode 37 and you listened to the major revelation that happened at the end of chapter 17, we know that Larry Vaughn and Quint definitely had a business relationship that started back in 1951, back in San Francisco. What is the scope of that relationship and, and what exactly are the details involved? You have to read the rest of the book to find out. But that being said, that teased into, because I've been wanting to get to this for a very, very long time. I believe the chalkboard scene, the introduction to Quint, performed by Robert Shaw in the council chambers of the Amity Town Hall, might be one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. Because there is so much going on, the tension that is boiling underneath here is so much greater than we might realize that this is a monumental scene in the arc of Jaws, in the arc of Quint's life, in the arc of Chief Brody and Mayor Larry Vaughn, as well as the townspeople of Amity Island. There's a lot more happening in this scene. That's why I've always started off the credits, the opening introduction to the Jaws Obsession, are lines from this scene. Y'all know me, you know how I earn a living. Those lines lead off every episode of the Jaws Obsession because that is one of the biggest clues into we are not being told everything that is going on in Amity. We are not privy to that. Because why? Because Jaws is told primarily through Chief Martin Brody's eyes. So yes, not all of it. We do cut away from him. So it's not entirely first person Chief Brody. But we are introduced to the island along with Chief Brody being introduced. This is his first summer. So he doesn't have a long history on the island. There are people here that have a very long history on the island. Some of them are actual real islanders. Some of them are just summer transplant islanders where you might have been born here, but you live over on the mainland and on summers you come over and run your business. So some people really never lived on the island. So if you were on Amity before electricity came to the island in 1951, it was a different place. It was an outlier island. Without electricity, it was very nomadic. It was very uh, frontier-like. So electricity does not get established there through Cable Junction in 1951. That's one of the clues we picked up in the Book of Quint, Chapter 17. I want to go through this scene line by line. I want to describe what I'm seeing here, knowing that there is a history between Quint and the mayor. After we're done with the scene, I'm going to go to the one line that tells you, that proves to you in Jaws that I am not making this up, that there is a... There is, in Jaws, there is proof that the mayor and Quint had a history together. And it's not something that we that's entirely uh, discussed in the in the events of Jaws. So let's go through this scene. Let's, let's start it back over here. 
as they're playing, are you going to close the beaches? Now, Quint's taking his nails down the chalkboard. Everybody stand up and turn it around. What do we notice right now? What do we notice? All the people, all, most all the people in this town hall council chambers are, are elderly. They're older people. So these are people that have lived on the island for a number of years. The five selectmen, the mayor is one of them. They're all elders of the island, okay? Most of these people are the business owners. You see a couple of young ones in there. Some youngsters might have been dragged in there by their grandparents. But for the most part, these are older established people that they know more of the island, okay, than what Chief Brody does, okay? Even what Meadows does, because Meadows is younger and he actually came to the island not to, uh, he's not an, an established islander, obviously. He's got a lot of history. He talks about reporters in New York that owe him a favor, um, all sorts of things like that. So he's obviously was called in as a PR rep by the mayor. We have Chief Brody being introduced to Quint, but then Quint opens up. All know me, know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. Bad fish. Not like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tommycats. You all know me. You know how I earn a living. Well, I th oh, do we do do we all know? Yes, of course. He's talking to the five selectmen and possibly the re the the elders that are in the room. The really the older people that have that were around pre-electricity Amity 1951 or before. What we're establishing here is we are told when Chief is getting his information, whether it's on the ferry ride or even from Matt Hooper, it's extremely rare for these waters uh, with the tiger shark when he's referencing the tiger shark. So what we're kind of believing is, is that there's really never any, has never been any shark problems off of Amity. This, this line right here completely negates that. It completely negates that. You all know me. You know how I earn a living. That's correct. He earns a living from killing sharks. He's got a shark on the side of the door of his truck, which was not featured in the film. It was in outtakes of the film. But Quint was the shark hunter. He was the resident shark hunter. He rides. He has a boat with five barrels on the front, a, a hunting pulpit. He's not... Like he says, not like going down to the pond chasing bluegill or tomcat. He is a shark hunter. He once made a living hunting sharks off of Amity. So these people do know that there were once sharks. Some of them do. Some of them may not. Some of them might have just arrived there in the last four to five years, six years. But I'm telling you right now that those select men know that there were sharks off of Amity before. But more importantly... The mayor knows this is not a new problem. This has happened before. And Quint has killed sharks before. Let's continue. This shark, swallow you whole. Shaking, tenderizing. Down you go. And we got to do it quick. That'll bring back the tourists. That'll put all your businesses on a paying basis. But it's not going to be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. Right there, it's zooming in. Uh, the camera is pushing in on Robert Shaw, on, on Quint. The camera is pushing in. He's now using a lot of words to get people scared, but he says this shark will swallow you whole. He also drew a picture on the chalkboard, which I believe is Quint's interpretation of the size of Alex Kittner compared to the shark. Because why? I believe that Quint went out and he talked to the kids that were on the beach. Remember, 
people saw the size of the fins rolling over when the shark rolled over after it took Alex Kittner, there were eyewitnesses to the size of this animal. Some of the people stood up pointing. I think one of the guys is heard saying, did you see that? But we also have kids in the water. If we go back and we listen to episode 30, where we proved who vandalized the billboard, we do know that there, that the Shark Fin brothers were in the water with Alex Kittner when Alex Kittner died. So they saw those fins roll over. So when Hooper says at the billboard, he says those proportions are correct because Hooper saw the shark tooth. So he knows the size of the shark just compared in, comparing to the size of the tooth. Well, the vandals were the ones that actually saw the size of the fin. And that's where they know the size, they were in the water. Those are the shark fin brothers. The Searle brothers were the ones that vandalized the billboard. If you want to know more about that, go listen to episode 30. That was a very involved episode. But what happened is, is that I think Quint has ways of going around and investigating because he is a shark hunter. He knows clues. He knows people. He knows people who knows know people. Now, mind you, remember, Amity is not a large island maybe 500 permanent residents year-round, and that's in 1974. Maybe 500 because it's a small island, and look at the size of the people that come in to find out what's going on. These are all the business owners that are on the island. It's only a few dozen people. These are the people that own the businesses. These are the people that own the hotels. It is not the size of Martha's Vineyard. It is Amity Island. So it is a smaller island. So Quint knows his way to go around and talk. I think he went and talked to the Searle brothers. I think he has a way of finding out who was on the beach, and he did his digging, and he found out the scope, the size of the animal compared to Alex Kittner. He heard their firsthand accounts. So now he's talking about the size of the animal. He knows it's a great white. He knows it's a large great white. But he also knows that there was a history of large sharks off of Amity in about a decade prior. So he draws it on the chalkboard, but what he's doing now is he's also talking to the mayor, almost talking through the people. He's talking to the selectmen, but the mayor. Now, this is very intricate, very intricate scene at 21 minutes and 29 seconds. After he says that, I value my hide a lot more than 3,000 bucks, chief. This is it, 21 minutes and 29 seconds. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him. For 10. Right at that line, the mayor slowly rises to his feet as the camera is pushing in on the mayor. It's pushing through the crowd. So it went from pushing to Quint. Now it is pushing into the mayor. The mayor slowly rises to, to his feet once Quint starts saying, I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him for and kill him for 10. It is almost as if the mayor has his hand right next to the gavel, and he's ready to start pounding if Quint starts to reveal some information to the background of Amity Island and what the mayor knows. He knows that I have a chief of police here. There might be some people, there's a lot of people in the room that do not know this. I do not want this getting out. So he's ready to almost sit there and start making a big scene to shut Quint down because Quint is holding the floor. This is Quint's return to the Amity Town Hall, the first time in six years. That's how epic this scene is. And he's got the mayor. He has got the mayor right in his sights because he knows 
that the mayor cannot outrun this. So Quint is going to push this to his advantage. The mayor standing up at this scene, at this point, it, there's a look of concern on the mayor's face. It is not because, oh no, I don't want to lose summer dollars. The mayor is extremely wealthy. He could care less if they have a flat summer. Understand? He, he could weather over three summers of no summer dollars. Do you really think that the mayor cares about all these people in the room so much that he's going to stand up slowly and start sweating as Quint starts talking numbers and prices to hire him to kill a shark? No. The mayor knows that there is a history between him and Quint, and he does not want that to come out. You're going to make up your minds. You want to stay alive and ante up? You want to play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Thank you very much, Mr. Quint. We'll, uh, we'll take it under advisement. So right there, the mayor nervously says, thank you very much, Mr. Quint. We'll take it under advisement. The mayor has not been nervous at all through this whole movie. He wasn't even nervous when there was a mob in the vestibule and they're walking through and he says, let's go down to council chambers. We'll, we'll have more room. And he starts going, ah, I tell you, know, only 24 hours. And he's kind of doing what the mayor does. He's able to navigate his way through this, but he starts getting nervous when he sees Quint. Why? Why? Because if, if Quint is just some nutty guy and the mayor really thinks that there isn't a shark, the mayor wouldn't be nervous. The mayor would be like, oh, that's just the town nut, right? No, Quint has the goods on the mayor. The mayor knows that if this were to go public or if this were to go, there could be an investigation. That's why there's no way I can financially tie myself to Quint in a, in a legal contract setting. There's no way, and I don't want this reporter down here, Meadows, I don't even want him talking to this guy. But what's wild here is that Quint is holding all the cards. He's not playing them all here. He's holding them close to the vest, and he knows that he's got the mayor right where he wants him. He is going to get money on this, and he's also going to ruin the mayor's reputation by capturing and killing this shark. There's a lot more in play here. So, the mayor nervously says, thank you very much, Mr. Quint. We'll take that under advisement. As he's looking over to one of the other selectmen, the other selectmen nods. Those selectmen know what's going on. Bad Hat Harry knows what's going on. Bad Hat Harry was swimming around laughing in the water when Chrissy already attacked and killed. But they're, they're so oblivious to it because Quint killed all the sharks. There can't be another shark. Quint did his job, and he did his job too well. There, there hasn't been a shark here in six years. That's what's got the mayor so nervous here. That's what's got the selectmen. In many ways, the selectmen are nervous. Remember that the other selectmen will not go in the water at, uh, later on. The other guy with his family when the mayor says, but no one's swimming and he makes him go into the water with his family. Because as the movie progresses, they realize after this scene, after Quint reveals that he's telling them what's, ha what's happened, He's telling them there is a shark. Now the selectmen are taking it, it, it serious. But the mayor, let's just put it this way. The mayor knows exactly what's happening. 
and he doesn't want the chief to know. So here is the kicker. Here's the tension. Here is the, the, the tension is at an all-time high. Quint stands up, and what does he say? Mr. Mayor, chief, ladies and gentlemen. He stands up and he says, Mr. Mayor, chief, ladies and gentlemen, as in Mr. Mayor, and then he references chief. Wow, we have a... Hey, Mr. Mayor, I see you have a chief of police here finally. Someone might be interested in uh, what was going on here, wouldn't he? Ladies and gentlemen, wow, look, I have a public forum now where I didn't have one before. So those three, by referencing Mr. Mayor, Chief, ladies and gentlemen, he's basically telling the mayor, I got you. I got you. I knew this was going to happen. I told you this was going to happen. And now I got you because I have a chief of police here. The law is on the island where there was not a permanent established law on the island. There was just a constable sheriff that would come over. This is now the first permanent chief that's there. I also have everybody's listening and they know who I, they're, they're hearing my voice right now. So I got you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to cost you $10,000. And then he walks out and then Herschel Salvatore follows with him. Then it cuts to Martin Brody. Martin Brody, complete outsider, has no idea what's going on, doesn't even know who Quint is. To him, Quint is just, okay, wow, I guess we have an established shark hunter on an island with no sharks, right? Well, that's that's got to be the worst thing ever. That's like, uh, what, that's, uh, is that like being uh, an ice cube salesman in Alaska? Like, uh, that's got to be the worst a profession to have if you're a shark hunter on an island that never has had sharks, right? So it doesn't not fit. And even Martin Brody's, Martin Brody's sitting there going, wait a second. Uh, they, these people were all telling me there's, you know, there's never been a problem like that in these waters. That, you know, they've never had a problem. There's no shark problem here. Keep the beaches open. This is just a, just a one-off thing. So even he's, you see the wheels turning in Chief Brody's eyes right now. That's, there's something more going on here, and he can't quite place it. So as viewers, as viewers, we're sit here, we're left here to think that this is just take it everything on face value. And and I think that's the that's the temptation that we have as uh, in watching Jaws. So you're tempted to s- take everything the mayor has said up until now and afterwards as face value. We depend on these summer dollars for our very lives. That's just what the mayor's telling Chief and Hooper. That's a political way of covering his rear end. That's a political way of deflecting. No, this is why I want to keep, this is why I don't want to hire the one guy. The mayor's very wealthy. Why not just hire Quint? Why not just pony up the 10 grand and hire this guy? So what? So what if it's one shark? So what if you lose the summer? There's always next summer, right? No, unless it's unless it's very, very deep. That Quint has more to reveal. There's more to the story to reveal. And I don't want that happening. So I am going to just take that under advisement. Of, and we're just going to go about our merry way. You always have the mayor looking for proof. When there is no longer any proof, he can then create the narrative. Maybe the only way to confirm is, huh? Fellas, let's be reasonable, huh? This is not the time or the place to perform some kind of a half-assed autopsy on a fish. And I am not going to stand here and see that thing cut open and see that little Kentner boy spill out all over the dock. It's all about proof. 
when the mayor says he reveals on uh, at the beginning of the movie, he says it's all psychological. Larry Vaughn is an extremely cunning politician. There is much more going on than I need to protect Amity from losing summer dollars. No, 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 no. Larry Vaughn made a lot of money, and it's not nothing to do with the mob. This is this is something that's this is something that's much more intricate to the island. And and Larry Vaughn is hiding this using psych, psychological tactics. He uses it on Chief Brody, he uses it on Matt Hooper by uh, eliminating them, cutting open the animal. Um, he even goes so far as to rare, he only says shark twice in the whole movie, and it's usually uh, in a private conversation. He, it, when he's in public right, right here, he says half-ass autopsy on a fish. When he's in front of the news, he says we caught and killed a large predator. He does not, he never says shark in public. So he's all about psychological psychologically controlling the narrative, controlling the narrative. And that's what he's doing here. He's basically saying it's not the shark. He knows it's not the shark, right? He knows it's not the shark because he overheard Matt Hooper say the bite radius doesn't match. So he knows it's not the shark. But yet he's going to go there and say, no, you're not going to cut this open and watch that little Kittner boy spill out all over the dock. So what he's actually saying is, no, you're not going to prove that this isn't the shark because I want to run with this narrative that it is the shark. I want to keep this going. So this is over, right? So I don't have to hire Quint. So we don't have to uh, have give Quint the money and give him the forum. That's what he's using on, he doesn't think, he knows it's not the shark. He already heard Matt Hooper. So he does not want that narrative. He's going to control that narrative and he's going to say, this is the shark. Uh, and I don't want it cut open because uh, I'm not going to stand here because politically it's bad for this. And also we have the mother of Alex Kittner on the dock and we I just want to put it in the water and disappear the evidence. All right, fellas, let's cut this ugly son of a bitch down before it stinks up the whole island. Harvey and Carl take it out tomorrow and dump it in the drink. This also proves the size of Amity Island. He knows that it's going to stink up the whole island because Amity is a smaller island and you will smell when the winds are right. You, it can't, the scent of a rotting shark would carry across the island. So he knows that it's a small island, but he's also controlling the narrative. You go out in the morning and dump this in the drink. He's taking Hooper and the bite radius and all the evidence out of the equation. He's going to control the narrative that this was the shark and it is over because he does not want to have Quint emerge anywhere into the situation. I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. It was Ben Gardner's boat. It was all chewed up. I helped tow it in. You, sh you should have seen him. Where, where is that tooth? Did you see it, Broden? No, I didn't see it. He, he dropped it. I had an accident. Way in. And what did you say the name of this shark is? It's a carcarid and carcarious. It's a great white. But you, you don't have the tooth. <laughs> Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have a summer. Those... So do you see what happens here is he's looking. He goes, do you have the tooth? So you don't have the tooth. And he immediately goes to his plan. His plan A is, look, we depend on this summer for these summer dollars for our very lives. He knows what a great white is. He knows what a great white is, but he's asking, he's probing to see how, how far did this get? Do you have proof? It's a great white. 
but you, you don't have the tooth. But you don't have the tooth. So the mayor is always focused on proof because he knows what a great white is. Even look at his face when Hooper and, uh, and, and Chief Brody are trying to convince him. He knows. But since there's no proof, he's going to immediately pivot right back to this political way of, I'm concerned for these people. No, 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 no. It is not that one-sided. Do not take Mayor Vaughn, Larry Vaughn. Murray Hamilton's performance is exquisite here. Do not take this as face value. you got to look through that. you got to look at that. The mayor knows a lot more about sharks than even Chief Brody does. Chief Brody just read a couple of books at his house. The mayor has history. He has experience. He knows. And he's he knows what a great white tooth looks like. That's number one. And he knows that Hooper doesn't have it. So there's no proof. Now, this leads to the one line that you always hear in the intro of the Jaws Obsession. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Proof. The mayor, Larry Vaughn, is always concerned about proof, which there is none. And since there is none, he is going to continue on this course. I'm sorry, I Truly sorry. And a pen, Larry? Yeah, a pen, you know. Because you're going to do what you do best. You're going to sign this voucher so I can hire a contractor. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that without... Uh... I'm going to hire Quint to kill the shark. August. What? August. What? What are you talking about? Larry, the summer is over. You're the mayor of Shark City. These people think you want the beaches open. I, I was, I was, I was acting in the in the town's best interest. Is that's that right. You I were acting, acting in the town's best, best interest, and that's why you're going to do the right thing. That's why you're going to sign this, and we're going to pay that guy what he wants. Why is the mayor rambling about August? And I was looking out for the town's best interest because he is going over with Chief Brody possible ways to navigate around this without legally bringing Quint into the situation. He does not want to bring in Quint, bring Quint into the situation. Why the hesitancy here? Uh, eyewitnesses, big shark, another death. Chief Brody's right there. Chief Brody has a pre-typed pre contract out. He says, you're going to sign it. Why the hesitancy? It's why? Because the mayor is looking out because there is an extremely deep background between him and Quint. And once he signs this paper, all the talking points, save August, looking out for the town's best interest, those all get erased once he signs that document. The only way the mayor gets out of this is if Quint doesn't come back alive. That's the only way. And Quint is such is so good. Quint is so good at what he does. The mayor knows that Quint's going to go kill this shark. And the mayor knows that he's done, that, that Quint's going to blab, that, that Quint is going to give up the goods once Quint gets back. So he signs this document. He even looks over to, to Martin Brody. Martin. Martin. My kids were on that beach trip. Sign it, Larry. When he signs that contract, so that he ran through all the gauntlet. The final one was my kids were on that beach too. The mayor is 
scared. The mayor is much more nervous than uh, about something else. He's recalling something from his past. He has a history with sharks off Amity, but he also knows that once he signs that contract, all these excuses are gone. The chief doesn't know any of this. He doesn't know any of this. He's just going, sign it. What are you doing? We're going to hire this guy to kill a shark, which we should have done before. This is huge. This is the last time we see the mayor for Jaws. We do get to see him again in Jaws too, but this is the last time we see him here terrified, terrified of bringing Quint, legally bringing Quint into the picture and attaching Quint to Chief Brody, putting Chief Brody on a boat with Quint. The whole history is going to get exposed and the mayor doesn't want that. So he tries to use his kids as an excuse to try to appeal to, hey, my kids were on the beach too. We all have a risk in this. Chief's like, what are you talking about? Just sign it. Let's say you're out there. There's some of you out there in the Jaws obsession are saying, Ryan, you're crazy. You're reading way too much into this. There's nothing between the mayor and the Quint, nothing at all. What other proof do you have, Ryan? What other proof do you have in Jaws that can 100% verify there was a history between Quint and the mayor? And I will show you right now. Let's get to this line. The contract gets signed and it goes right to Chief Brody negotiating the terms of the charter with Quint. Now listen up. $10,000, $200 a day, whether I catch him or not. You got it. Get the mirror off my back so I don't have any more of this zoning crap. You've got that. Did you get that? Chief said you got it. Did you get that? Let's hear it again. $100 a day, whether I catch him or not. You got it. Get the mirror off my back so I don't have any more of this zoning crap. You've got that. Yep, we got it. Get the mayor off my back so I don't have any more of this zoning crap. Get the mayor off my back so I don't have any more of this zoning crap. Zoning laws. The mayor was trying to run Quint off the island. He was using zoning laws. He was using property uh, easement infractions. The mayor was using the selectmen. He was trying to run Quint off the island without being attached to Quint. And Quint knew what was going on for the last six years. All that was being done was, hey, your building's too big, this and that. You got people are complaining about you. You're breaking zoning laws. We're going to use every means necessary to run you off the island, to get you out of that shack to shut you down. The mayor was trying to shut Quint down using zoning laws, and that's one of his, after the price, one of his first demands. Before the apricot brandy, before the Iranian caviar and the color TV, he says, get the mayor off my back. He's not telling Chief why the mayor's on his back. He's just saying, get the mayor off my back with the zoning. The zoning, that's what the mayor was doing. So why would the mayor be trying to get Quint? Why would he be hassling Quint? Also, the mayor knows who Mr. He says Mr. Quint. He knows who Quint is. There is a history there. There's a negative history there. There's, there's something going on beneath the surface that we do not have the tools to investigate. We do not have the tools to know. We just know that there is something there. And when Quint does not come back from the hunt for the great white shark, the mayor then can now control the narrative. And the history between Quint and the mayor dies, or does it? That's where the book of Quint comes into play. We need to have the tools to show you that there was a history between Quint and the mayor. And then when you know the history and you watch the movie Jaws, you watch this movie play out, you see Murray 
Murray Hamilton's performance, you see Larry Vaughn, you actually sit there and you go, this guy is way more insidious than I ever thought. This guy has something going on. And he is a very shrewd politician. It is not one layer. Do not take Vaughn at face value. Very exciting to prove that one line right there, one line in the movie by Quint, get the mayor off my back. That demand right there says that there is a history between those two guys. And Quint is not giving up his cards because Quint is going to bring that shark back and Quint is going to have a national spectacle. He is going to have the media and he is going to be able to finally get the get one over on the mayor. A lot of stuff going on here. A lot of stuff going on. You know what? We might be a little long here, but uh, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I hope you are too. I wanted to get to one final thought. I have You have to put yourself into the mindset of Steven Spielberg back in 1974. We know that Steven Spielberg, when the shark was being built, he invited his close friend George Lucas down to look at the mechanical shark. Same with John Milius. Uh, we talked about that in episode five, uh, the, the John Milius effect. In the Jaws Columbo episode, Jaws episode 34, we talked about how Spielberg always had this idea of a prequel, and it came from the Howard Sackler contribution of the USS Indianapolis, and Howard Sackler actually pitched the prequel to Zanuck and Brown, the producers of Jaws, who were going to make Jaws 2. Lucas played an effect on Spielberg in talking about prequel because Lucas was writing Star Wars at the time. And Star Wars was part four, and he had three movies planned that are before Star Wars. So he had prequels already in in his mind, and he would have talked about those with Mr. Spielberg. What we have to look at is The Godfather 2. The Godfather 2 and Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola was a big friend. He, he was an acquaintance and co-worker his, of uh, George Lucas. So Francis Ford Coppola is attached to uh, George Lucas, and then George Lucas to Steven Spielberg. What made Godfather 2 such a dynamic sequel was that it pretty much was a prequel. It was two movies put into one. So you had uh, the elements of Vito Corleone's rise of Vito Corleone, and then you had the downfall of the Corleone family and the descent into madness that is Michael Corleone's reign, all right there in Godfather 2. So George Lucas commented on the film on Godfather 2 after it had a five-hour-long preview. He told Coppola, you have two films here. Take one away because it doesn't work together, Ref referring to the movie's portrayal of two parallel storylines. Because it was so long, so they obviously had to do a lot of editing in order to decrease it and bring it down to a respectable length so it could be digested by audiences in movie theaters. Mario Puzo started writing the script for the sequel in December of 1971, the sequel to The Godfather. So he was working on this, and, and Coppola's idea was to have the ascension of the family under Vito Corleone with the decline of the family under his son Michael. So he wanted to have somewhat of a prequel narrative going on, but it wasn't... So that's how they got it through the studio system, was it was going to be a sequel, but it was going to have elements of a prequel. George Lucas picked up on that and then carried that over to Spielberg. So that's when Spielberg was pitching, was was involved, almost involved with a Jaws 2. They were trying to work this narrative out. What I thought was, wow, what a missed opportunity. Had you been armed with that foresight and you looked at the success of Godfather 2, who some 
critics regard as way better than the original. I don't. I like the original better. However, it's critically acclaimed, and Godfather 2 is just as amazing as the first one. I believe that Jaws 2 would have been unbelievable following the Godfather 2 formula. If you just did the same thing, follow Chief Brody with a shark returning to Amity, but you do cutbacks and flashbacks to the rise of Quint through the USS Indianapolis, and then the discovery and the, re- and the building of the orca, and then the perfecting of the barrel hunting technique. There are so many think possibilities. Just imagine how amazing and epic Jaws 2 would have been had it followed the Godfather 2 formula. So that's what I wanted to stress here is that prequels were always in these in, in this between these three filmmakers, Coppola, Lucas, and Spielberg. There was a uh, there, there was a there was a formula for the success of a prequel. Lucas had that in mind as he created his the first Star Wars trilogy and obviously it took him another 20 years and then he was able to create the prequel that he always wanted. Well, you have Spielberg here and you have Jaws and you have such a dynamic characters in Jaws that it seems that a prequel is just necessary. What good is the Godfather if we didn't have Godfather 2? Because we want to know more and we want to know more. And when we watch Godfather 2 and you go back and you watch the Godfather, you appreciate it so much more. You enjoy it so much more. And the two films play off each other. I believe, I truly believe that this book, the book of Quint, is the prequel that it's the narrative that we need to enjoy the movie Jaws going forward. Jaws is a great movie, but there is, as as we've proved in this episode and many before this, there's so much more going on beneath the surface. And if we're given the opportunity with a proper prequel, we will have the tools to actually enjoy Jaws that much more. So whenever you hear me talk about the Book of Quint, just remember, what good would the Godfather be without the Godfather 2? That's how high we're aiming here at the Jaws Obsession. That's how high we are aiming for the moon, and we are going to reach it. Thank you very much for listening. Show me the way to go I'm tired Wonderful times. We're having a lot of fun here in the Jaws Obsession. Thank you very much for this week for listening to episode 38. If you haven't yet, give episode 37 a listen. uh, Chapter 16 and 17 from the Book of Quint. And you'll see details revealed that can lead us to enjoying the movie Jaws more than we ever imagined. Editing is still underway, and the Book of Quint, 54 chapters. We have a prologue, epilogue. Would love to know what you think about the postcards. Everyone that's received the postcards, make sure you get out there and share them with your social media. Let everybody know that you know what Amity Island looks like, that the Book of Quint is revealing things that we have never known for 50 years since Jaws. 
The movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. Copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the various guidelines of Section 107, Copyright Act. All rights reserved to the copyright owners. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an episode 39. Can you believe it? We're already at episode 39. Please email me here, jawsob2025 at gmail.com or the Telegram channel at jawsob. Thanks for listening. Until next week, farewell and adieu. Show me the way to go home.